once again to another episode of The Wall Behind and Beyond. As always, I am your host, Philip A. Jones. Today we have a brother by the name of Tim Bryant, who is the founder and executive director of One Love Prison Meditation Project. He has conducted hundreds of prison meditation programs in the last 15 years, teaching but also using the practice of meditation to grow emotionally and spiritually, making these connections with the incarcerated population and giving inspiration through the teachers as well as spiritual support. It is my honor to have you on the show today, brother. How is everything going with you? Look, everything is going fantastic, man, and it's really great to talk to you. And um, let's free, let's free you, and let's have this conversation. For sure, man. You know, I've been looking forward to it. I love the work you're doing. So we're going to get to the questions because the listeners are the ones who, you know, it's, it's what the show is all about. So. Can you tell our listeners where you are from, a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I'm from a uh, relatively small town in north central Florida called Gainesville, Florida. Uh, And uh, I was born and raised here. Uh, I spent a little time in California, a little time in Georgia, but most of my life I've been I've been here in Gainesville, Florida. And um, yeah, the youngest of four brothers. you know, I studied sociology uh, in and graduated with a bachelor's in sociology from the University of Florida. You know, I think I grew up. I, it, I appreciate this question. I'm always like reflecting on how did I, you know, how did I end up doing what I'm doing and 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 everything. But I, you know, I mean, I definitely grew up curious, you know, about the world and, and those around me. Um, you know, I, I also was definitely influenced by you know, popular culture and music at the time and, and, and movies and films that started, exam- you know, that talked about injustice and, and, and examined uh, injustice. I began to, you know, see that around me more. And, um, you know, I was raised a certain way. Uh, you know, I mean, I was raised in um, a, a white man in the South and I, you know, heard things and saw things that were, um, you know, that were messed up. And, uh, but, I began to, you know, just pay attention to that stuff. And it just became a big part of my life. And, and especially like in college, studying it more. Um, and then, of course, I discovered uh, meditation and things took off um, from there in terms of my spiritual life and, and trying to meld that with social justice. But also just on a personal thing, man, I'm a, you know, I love just hanging out, watching sports. I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, which is not fun to be. Uh, I'm a LeBron James fan. That's a little more fun to be. Uh, <laughs> but you know, my passion is just understanding myself and, and others and the world. Oh man, for sure. I love that, man. But you know, you're going to have to make me a uh, segue, man. You got to talking about LeBron, man. I'm a Lakers fan through and through, man. I go back to the 84 days, 85 days, Kareem, Magic, Jay Worthy, uh, Michael Cooper, you know what I'm saying? All of them. Absolutely, man. That was all. Uh, that was that was my team too, man. Absolutely, man. He's the goat. He's the goat. If not, he's pretty close. <laughs> um, I think that uh, I like to always say that the culture is what drives us towards uh, criminal justice. Because when you talk about a country of fairness and second chances, you can't help but be led back to the criminal justice world uh, because almost one. And every 10 Americans has someone that's in the system or been through it. And so I'm glad that you spoke about that 
we're all led to this pathway on some way, so on some level or another. That's why there's so many people out there that's doing this this uh, most important work. Absolutely, so, Philip. Go ahead. Yeah, continue. No, uh, if you got a uh, if you got a re response for that, go right ahead. We'll uh, we're gonna fix that all up. You know, I, I, well, I, what I want to say about that is that this is, you know, I mean, there's a lot of civil rights issues of art, but this is this issue of our time. We have a huge problem in this country of not taking care of our people and instead of not taking care of them, act actively harming them through the incarceration and through policing. And, and you know, you could put try to put a prison out in the desert, but the reality is, is this is affecting so many people's lives and it's affecting all of us collectively. Um, when we treat our community um, in this way and not provide care. So I'm just, you know, I'm just I'm just really grateful that that you're continuing to do this, but that more and more people, you know, I encounter more and more people uh, speaking up about this issue. And I'm I'm hopeful um, that we can make real progress in our lifetime. For sure. And uh, I'm right along with you on that. If it's true what they say about hurt people, hurt people. The first thing we need to do is start treating people. That's where the mental health aspect comes into play, which we're going to talk some more about um, later. But right now, my next question for you is, tell us about One Love Prison Meditation Project. So One Love Meditation, One Love Prison Meditation Project brings in-person meditation classes to incarcerated people um, in prisons. And we have weekly classes at five prisons right now. Um, and at the at the core, that's what we do, right? But it's actually so much more than that. What happens there is it 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 provides um a collective space for for rest, um, for refuge, a space for reflection. Um, you know, recently at a recent class, um, people started opening up about. Um, childhood traumas that they had experienced and everybody was collectively holding space. Um, it was a, it was a powerful moment in one of our classes. So, um, but the technique and the tools of meditation we use, um, but it's also, it has become so much more than that. It's also a place for people to come on a, even on a simple level to just get away from the, the, um, the noise, to have a quiet space, um, to have a space with air conditioning. Um, so, um, it, it really covers the gamut in terms of just going in and providing a space uh, for people to experience their own um, in light, their own inner well-being. And like I said, have a place for, for rest and refuge. Speaking of which, this is a noisy environment and sometimes we need that peace of mind and sometimes we need that silence that we don't get often in a, an environment with so many people all around all the time. But it was something you said that made me think. So prison uh, meditation is more than just breathing uh, and, and, and finding that place within yourself for refuge. It's also, from the sounds of it, a therapeutic community. Because when you come together with these individuals, uh, they feel safe enough to start talking about some of the things uh, that bring them traumas and make them feel anxious or you know ways of, that they can reduce these things. So from what you're saying, this is what it sounds like. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I remember come, happening when I first started doing this was people would come together that normally didn't know 
um, you know, they didn't know that these other people were interested in this, right? Because back in the in the typical prison environment, they, you know, uh, maybe they didn't feel like they were able to open up or share about this thing. And now here they are in this class. And now they're finding, you know, another person, another support um, in this class to be able to like go deep and talk about spirituality and talk about it in um in a non-dogmatic way. That's another thing that's really important about our work is that anybody from any religion or non-religion, you know, you could be atheist. You could be, you know, we have Buddhists and Muslims and and everyone, um, Christians, that come to our classes. And, you know, most of the time, these classes and things like that are divided up by religion. So this is also an opportunity for people to come um, together and sort of let go of just their their, um, you know, a specific religious dogma and and find a collective, um, yeah, collective healing and community. So what made you start uh, meditating? Or how long have you been meditating, rather? And how does meditation reduce anxiety or help with addiction? This is a a great question. You know, it reminds me... uh, one of these guys asked this question a few months back and it always rings through my ear. One of the, one of our guys, uh, um, shooty in one of our classes, he's like, what's the point of this? And I was like, man, that really is the the best question you could ever ask. (laughs) And, uh, so I started meditating. It's been like 20 plus years now. I say maybe 24 years. I started meditating. Um, just I was at a time of my life, um, you know, uh, 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 just the, you know, just one of those moments, man. And uh, somebody shared with me a meditation book and uh, my heart just sort of lit up. Uh, I began practicing it and I immediately began to see um, the benefits. And exactly. I, I'll tell you what my experience was then and what has continued to be my experiences. Um, you know, I, I'm hesitant to speak on meditation as something that like removes things or reduces things or uh, and I'm not saying that it doesn't. It's just that what I what my experience has been is that meditation has provided me to hold my entire experience in my being, whereas um you know, instead of trying to push away negative feelings or be really attached to positive feelings, um, meditation has like opened me up to not being so afraid of myself and so afraid of the the different aspects of myself and has actually opened up um again like the ability to sort of hold my my total humanity um to be able to have a space to hold my anxiety um and um and begin to just heal you know to not have a resistance and um, a fight with myself but to be able to create a, a loving space within myself um, to experience myself as I am. Hey, and I and I agree, man, because I started to meditate uh, off and on um, as I had time, especially when I was in solitary confinement. But I realized that once I did it, my blood pressure was reduced and everything. So it helps in many different ways. Um, and we know that it has a great effect on the body and the mind. You know what I mean? We ain't even talking about the soul, but I'm sure it's all incapacity. So, I mean, for anybody who was uh, thinking about it but haven't did it yet, um, I recommend that they do, man, because it, 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 it can help in so many different ways that people don't even have to realize at this point, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I want to say, you know, I want to make sure I don't I don't skip over um what I think has been one of the most important parts of, of meditation, and this is a this is something that is experienced in our classes, which is 
people begin to experience, really experience their their consciousness, their awareness, right? So, so to break this down in a simple way, we have the world, you know, we have our emotions that we experience, we have our mind that we experience, but we also have this spirit, this inner uh, state, this inner awareness that is the witness of all those things. And that actually has a quality. And that quality is hard to describe, but I would describe it as like a presence, right? We all have those moments where we just feel like we're connected. And, um, and that to me is like one of the greatest gifts is be able to experience that deeper sense of presence, that sense of being. And then in that, from that space, you know, there's a lot of love and compassion for the emotional states, for the mental states, um, for other people, for the world. And so that's what we're cultivating. For sure. Uh, as you entered the prison in your work, what have you found to be pervasive as it relates to men and women incarcerated? That's a, that's a great question, Philip. Man, I, I, you know, I think the thing, the first thing that comes to my mind is just the inhumanity um, and the lack of empathy and the lack of care um, that is that just exists within the prison system. And and that I hear them share about that I witness, you know, I don't get to obviously I don't witness, you know, everything uh, firsthand because I'm kept away from that type of thing. But, you know, in, in, in my 17 years of going into prison, I don't think I've ever seen an interaction between a prison staff and, and somebody who is incarcerated that I would deem a normal human interaction. Um, uh, and just, you know, um, it's hard to speak about, to be honest with you, to answer that question. But I would, I would say, I, I just think that that the, what what I see is pervasive is just, um, you know, just a lack of care and concern, which is why I think it's so important that we physically, you know, that we're able to physically go in, um, and uh, and just provide a space where you know where they know that somebody has their back, they know that each other has their backs for sure, um, but. I think that's what I would just say, man. Just that lack of that lack of care and lack of empathy that exists throughout that whole system. And that's uh, an important uh, point to make because that's one of the things that we try to focus on on inside outside consults is because we want the interaction between uh, the, the the custody staff as well as the prisoners or the incarcerated individuals, uh, men and women, to be able to talk as if you're human. Um, recognize the humanity in the person first before you start um, talking to them as if you think they're up to something. Or, you know, you're giving them this suspicious vibe, right? Because that takes away our humanity, you know what I'm saying? When we know that we're doing everything we can to survive our environment, um, and I'm not saying uh, it doesn't apply both ways, but if you come with the approach, like they say, a smile when you walk in the room sometimes can be enough to change the vibe and the atmosphere because it puts people at ease. Same way with our, our custody staff. I believe that they, they smiled or they said, how you doing today, Mr. Mike, call you by your name. Or if they just, you know, talk to you like a human being if you met out at the library or the grocery store, not that they be talking to you as if they're always expecting you to be lying or you're up to something. So these things affect us spiritually also. And I just want to point that out um, as we continue to do our work. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So what comes to mind when you hear the term criminal justice and what does that even look like? 
Oh my goodness. You know, I recently, uh, you know, that term, you know, I've said that term for a long time and I recently thought about, uh, thought about uh, the term criminal injustice. And then I finally, I did finally heard somebody say that. And I was like, that's interesting. Cause I've been thinking that same, it's like, it's weird to even say, say criminal justice, to be honest with you. Um, so what, what, what does that even look like? You know, I think, you know, it, it, I, I saw a quote recently that said, um, somebody had a t-shirt actually that said, um, crime hurts, but justice should heal. And, um, I thought that was, you know, I thought that was just extremely powerful because at the end of the day, this idea that we that somebody can cause harm to somebody else and that we're going to take that person and cause more harm to them and that, that somehow that's going to serve our community or serve anyone is, you know, is a lie. Um, it's a lie and, and, and it, 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 it belies common sense. It belies, you know, everything we know um, about psychology, about humanity, about empathy. So. Um, what to me criminal justice looks like is care. It looks like care for people that um, have been harmed and it's care for people that have harmed. Because at the end of the day, like you said, hurt people hurt people. Everybody that causes harm has been harmed at some point and, and did not receive, you know, the support that they needed. You know, I've always been fascinated by that idea that somebody could have something horrible happen to them at 14 and we're so sad. We feel so bad for that person. And then when that person's 17 and does something to somebody else, now we're saying they're a monster. Like, that's not true. Like we 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 are failing, you know, our you know, we're failing people by not providing resources and care um, for them. But I think where the, the real issue lies. Right. And, this, and I think the scary part and the hard part and the real the real hard part of the work is that you know, this is being done on purpose, right? This isn't just people, you know, being short-sighted or thinking that this is working when it's not, you know, this is a situation with our, um, our carceral system where, uh, you know, this is being done intentionally to harm people. But, uh, but that's why we need to collectively unite um, to fight back against that and, and create um, care. Hey, that is profound, brother. And I just want to say the term criminal justice itself is one-sided and it doesn't address uh, both concerns of, of the community, of society. And you think about it, criminal justice, basically what they're saying is that this criminal needs to be brought to justice. So even though I believe in restorative justice, that people that have been hurt deserve some type of compensation or we need to have some type of medium where though we can bring them together so that one can take accountability and responsibility and become and arrive at remorse, then the other can understand that the person is uh, traumatized or has a whole bunch of issues that they're dealing with themselves and they need support, as you said. But we got to change the terminology because uh, words are important. And so I was just curious about that because we're constantly using it because we don't have any other terms to use. So whoever's listening out there, think about this. And try to figure out something that works for both humans and both sides that, that's accountable at the same time, um, having compassion for those who are, who have been suffering themselves uh, and had a hard life and maybe made some mistakes. So I was talking to a good friend of mine the other night, and she said something that really struck me, which I hadn't thought about before. She said, even when we place a child in time out, we don't leave him there for days. There's a time period for corrections, right? Um, so what are your thoughts on this? Uh, 
And you do, mm. and it makes sense. When you put a child in timeout, you don't just say you're going to stay there forever. We'll be, we won't we won't come back because there's no need. You say go there and think about what you did and the mistake that you made. And then when you get your mind right, come on out and we're going to talk about it. Well, that's the same thing that correction implies, right? Yeah, so this was such a good question because I was thinking about the I'm thinking about this question and I'm thinking that in, in in that example, there's a conversation happening. There's a collective peer, there's a there's a collective conversation happening. You're talking to this person before uh before the timeout. You're talking, you're checking in with them during a timeout, perhaps. You're talking to them after. There's a genuine conversation about what was done. Um, what could you have done different? There's an, and I don't see, and you can speak to this, but I don't see much of a, 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 a mutual conversation happening at all in, in this carceral system. I see people being talked down to, humiliated from the police to the courtroom, to the prison, to parole, to reentry, to a future employer. At every point along the system, there isn't a conversation um, between, uh, yeah, between between two people, there's not a healing conversation of what do you need, what needs to be done, what um, and 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 that's what we're missing. You know, Angela Davis, and I'm not going to quote. I can't quote this because I don't have the quote, so I'm a paraphraser. I hesitate to paraphrase someone like Angela Davis, but I was thinking about this with your last questions. She said that she said that our the way that we're operating our policing and carceral systems is actually. Not only is it actively causing harm, it is preventing us from dealing with the social problems that we have. We do have them, but the but what we are doing is actually preventing us from dealing with those issues. And so I think about that when I think about this question too, right? Is that is the idea of, you know, when people talk about wanting to end mass incarceration or defund the police or divest from this and move to um, you know, a system of care. It is not based on a lack of accountability. What it's based on is that we're not actually we're not actually helping people. We're not actually keeping people safe um, um, with what we're doing right now. And so we need to focus our resources on time on the things that actually people need. Thank you all for listening, subscribing, and sharing my podcast. Here are three ways to help me today. Consider donating, if you can, to my GoFundMe for my freedom efforts. You can find that by typing in Incarcerated Lives Matter, Philip Alvin Jones on GoFundMe. Subscribe today to my YouTube channel, The Wall Behind and Beyond. Comment and share. We are on our journey to a 1,000 subscribers. We can do this. Visit GrantParoleToPhilip.com. It's a one-stop shop that has my direct contact info and awesome social media sites. Please get in touch with us if you'd like to help in any way with Team Philip. Thank you, and keep listening to The Wall, Behind and Beyond. Okay, back on the other side. The brother Tim Bryant was in the middle of giving us some of that profoundness, and we want to hear him uh, continue in his thoughts. Well, I just wanted to circle back to what you said about the humanity, about uh, about having genuine conversations, about having... Uh, and so I was thinking about that in terms of, uh, you know, when we place a child that is in timeout or whatever, um, obviously there's a love there, right? There's a, there's a care there and there's a, and there's, um, you know, it's just a very, you know, there's conversation, there's, there's support there um, in that process. And that does not exist anywhere um, along the way in our, um, in our carceral system and, and the way that is set up. 
it's the way uh, that we police and the way that we incarcerate and the way that we uh, take people through uh, justice systems that that's the problem. Because we're not saying that there should be uh, responses to issues in the community. What we're saying is that the relation between law enforcement and those in authority has to take into account the humanity of the people that they are serving, such as uh, just two or three days ago, a woman was pulled over in a car with her two children. Uh, woman is a very upstanding citizen, has no blemishes on her record whatsoever, professional, college educated, all of the above. When an officer uh, pulls her over, he's mad because she drove until she got to a lighted area. Now, Let's freeze there first. The first thing is that uh, a lot of black people in America are so traumatized by what they're seeing from their police officers that they're scared. And so she wanted to go to a lit area, then she pulled over. He was so irate, he didn't take any of that into consideration. He just started yelling and screaming, and she and he asked her, why did you not stop? And she explained that to him, and he said, I don't want to hear the lies. Those lies, he said, she said, he said, she said that officer, I'm a professional, I'm a person that don't commit crimes. I'm someone who you wouldn't have an issue with. I did it for this reason. I don't want, don't tell me those lies again. Look, you don't know this woman from Adam and Eve. So my thing is the way you police, if you're doing something to protect the service, if it's a public service and you care about uh, the potential for crime, then why are you brutalizing people in your stops? Uh, these are the type of things that we're talking about. They can't be untrained. This is not training. You can't you can't fix this like that. You got to make sure that police police the people that they know. And I always say, if you come from a community, and I don't mean to go on with this too like this, but if you come from a community and you grew up in that community and you know everybody, you're not gonna approach them in a certain kind of ways because you know their whole family. So you know what's going on. You're just gonna be like, Look, man, what you out here doing? You know, you know, I know you we grew up together. I'm trying to stop you from going to prison. That's policing. You know what I mean? And I say that again. We're not saying take away systems. What we're saying is that those that don't work or those that's broken must be removed and we have to figure out a different strategy approach. Absolutely, Philip. And you know, I you know, obviously I'm a white man. I do not experience this at all, right? But I definitely I hear from um you know, I hear from my community. I hear, you know, I hear from the people that do. And, um, and, and, you know, and I'm responding to that. And, you know, the, the thing is that the thing is that I always think about this with people that are on the fence about some of these things that don't want to reform these systems, right? I mean, I know there's the people that do and like, and that's it, but the people that, and there's the people that really don't, right? And it's like, I don't even know how to talk to them exactly, right? But but there's the people in the middle, right? That know that something's, and I always want to say like, how is it that you think this is the best we can do? It's just 2022, we're done, this is it. This is like, this is the best we can do. That doesn't make any sense. Like, like there is so much that we can do. Um, there is so much that we can change. And if and 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 this idea that like people want to just keep doubling down on the same thing. And I'm like, it doesn't even make sense from a common sense standpoint, right? Like, like, of course you can improve everything. Like, that's the whole point of living. The whole point is that you want to push things further and, and provide things that are better than 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 was in the past. Like that's like that's why we're here. Um 
So I just always want to encourage people to like to not double down on this stuff and 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 to actually take you know to listen to these people that are in that are in this fight like like such as yourself and like and not just listen but do these things do what do what you say you know do what you're saying needs to be done because um you know these are the these are the people that we need to listen to and this is the work that you know we need to keep moving forward we need to continue to improve on this like we are nowhere close to where everyone wants to be um to take care of our communities no doubt brother and the work continues because we ain't gonna stop i read in your bio where the council of economic advisors cea released a report saying that Programs which address an incarcerated person's mental health and substance abuse will reduce the cost of crime and incarceration to the taxpayers. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, uh, this is so interesting because, you know, I'm actually real hesitant. I've been real hesitant sometimes to, like, include statistics, especially when you start talking about money, you start comparing, like, uh, oh, this will reduce the cost because I and I'll be honest with you, I think that there's a place for that. And I think when I started this work, I was like, oh, I need to make sure people understand that this is like this is important, you know, that this is like this is going to reduce. But at the same time, I got to be completely honest and transparent that there's a part of me that's like, you know what? This ain't about money. This is about doing what's right. This isn't about like what's the cost cutting, what's the savings like this is about doing what's right by people um, and doing what works for people. So I just need to put that out there because like. uh <laughs> <laughs> because, but I also just say that that's common sense, right? Like it's common sense that when you invest in people and you take care of people, that that uh, that I mean, that's what investment is, right? Investment is you you put something into people and and then and and um, you get something more back, right? Like they're able to contribute more. They're able to, um, yeah. I mean, to me, it's common sense, right? Um, um, and we, but again, this becomes that issue, right, where it gets a little tricky because. You can prove, you know, we can sit here and prove, been proven time and time and time again that you invest in communities, you invest in people, and it reduces crime and incarceration and reduces costs to the taxpayers. But we're starting to realize that that's not the point, right? Is that like other people are getting rich off this system. Um, and so, um, you know, so we need to start really like, like kind of looking at that and talking about that because like we've proven again and again that you can uh, reduce the, you know, reduce the cost to taxpayers. Um, but you're starting to realize that, you know, like I said, just to reiterate that, that other people are making money off this and that there's some other, there's other things going on that aren't just about what's best for the people, obviously. For sure. Absolutely. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, that statement you made um, could be expounded on for days because uh, there is a, uh, a need to address mental health and substance abuse in different programs. But when you start talking about the cost of it and all this and how it saves the taxpayers, you're missing the whole point. It's a human toll. It's not about how much because we pay hand over foot for so many different services in the in the country when we're trying to make changes and, and improve uh, the quality of life of people. So that was right on, my brother. And uh, that takes me to uh, our next question. Uh, do you believe in collective trauma? Uh, how can we address this and bring about some collective healing then? Wow. That's a deep question right there, Philip. Um, wow. I mean, I think this like, you know, I feel I feel I feel uh, emotional even thinking about that question a little bit, man, because I think that really gets to the crux of the matter, which is 
um, that everybody is hurting, you know, uh, or a lot of people are hurting. And, um, you know, I, 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 a lot of the guys will share um, in our classes. Sometimes we've got into conversations about uh, their relationship with the uh, COs and, and, and things. And they, and they will share, like, they're like, man, I've watched these people deteriorate. I've watched these people come in and two years later, they're, they're a shell of themselves. Speaking of the, the, the officers, right. And, um, and prison staff. And it's interesting, right? Because again, this goes, speaks to this, this thing of like, of, you know, people incarcerated know what's going on, right? It's like everybody else a part of the system is acting like they're like, <laughs> like they're, I don't even know, man, like they're doing something good or doing something bad, like whatever. But it's, of course, it's people such as yourself and 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 those who are in this that that can see all sides of this thing, right? And so one of the things they talk about is just like the deterioration of, 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 of those officers' lives, right? And so I think about that when I think about this collective trauma that everybody's a part of this thing, man, and everybody really is truly suffering from this. Like, who wants to be doing this? You know, like, who wants to be who wants to be a part of this? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, truly, right? Truly, like, you know, I can understand somebody's like gets gets sick in their head and get raised to a certain point and thinks like, okay, I can obviously go or I'll be this or I'll do this or I'll you know be this type of person. But I'm talking about on soul level. Nobody wants to be a part of something like that. Um, so I think we just need to start talking about it like that. Really, I think we just need to start saying that nobody wants to be causing harm to people, you know, on a soul level. That's soul crushing to be responsible for bringing harm to somebody else. I don't care where it's coming from. Like, that's 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 not what we're about. Um, or that's not what we you know, what we strive to be about, what we want to be about. So. Man, that's just a deep question, man. But I'll tell you, I think what, what we need to do is we need to continue to talk about that. But we also need to we need all hands on deck. We need to continue to build community, um, you know, every everybody working together um, to support each other um, and um, sort of, you know, as one movement to sort of continue to try to take down these systems of harm. And 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 um, and so but, man, that's a deep question. I feel like I could just continue to think on that and and. Um, in a lot of ways, but I just know that everybody a part of this thing, man, is, 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 is hurting. I like that perspective because, you know, you kept it simple about it. Uh, we all suffer. Why don't we all heal together? Why don't we all work uh, on a collective level to heal? Um, because we're all watching everything unfold before us all over the media, all over TV on a daily basis. And sometimes when I watch stuff, I feel that I'm being damaged even more just by seeing what I'm seeing on the screen. And so on a smaller level, uh, the COs are just as traumatized as we are, you know what I mean? And we're all suffering. Uh, but if we was to take the time to look at our fellow person and say, I'm pretty sure this person is dealing with a lot of things just like I am, uh, I'm going to cut them some slack. Uh, we should all, I'm trying to get there, you know what I mean? I could do better. Uh, but I hear you, and what you're saying is definitely worthy of a conversation, and maybe we can put together a panel at some point where we got all kinds of different uh, uh, perspectives and points of view on this and come to some collective understanding. You know what I mean? I do. And, you know, I want to just say this. Like, I'm not saying that to... 
I'm, I'm also saying that from speaking from the experience that I hear from, from, you know, the incarcerated people that we, you know, that I'm connected to, right. I'm like sharing their experience of just being like, man, like who, like, you know, like, I'm not saying, I guess I'm just hesitant. Cause I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say that we should have empathy um, for people that are causing suffering. Right. I mean, certainly on a deep, deep level, we, we can, but, uh, you know, but we need to stand up against that. But I guess I'm just like echoing what I hear them telling me all the time, which is like that this system is hurting everybody, man. This system is hurting everybody in our communities and it's hurting. It's certainly hurting, um, you know, people who are incarcerated more. Um, absolutely. But when you said about the collective trauma, it just made me think that like it just made me think on and reflect on when they talk about how they see the system hurting everybody involved in it. Um on on some level, you know, even if they're being hurt more, which I also think is just a powerful statement on the empathy of of you know and their ability to like to see the bigger picture too. Um, so I just want to make sure that's known, man. I'm not I'm not uh you know I don't want to I'm not trying to let anybody off any hook at all by any means, man. But I just just reflecting what I hear them share about that. For sure, I never thought for one second, brother. I believe that what you're saying is spot on. Um, so if anybody's listening, uh, we're not saying uh, that you're supposed to feel sorry for your oppressor or nothing. What we're saying is um, you can look at the rate of uh, suicide for police officers, correctional officers, and how high it is and tell that this is having a deep effect and impact on them as well. And so for all of our uh, healing to, to take place, uh, we have to look at it all the way across the board. Um, those that are suffering, that's obvious. But for those who don't, we don't see what they're going through, um, they're also suffering. Uh, that's what collective trauma is about. Whether you're talking about across the racial spectrum or not, uh, it doesn't matter. And so I, I, I understood exactly what you were saying. It made perfect sense. Uh, uh, the next thing that I was going to ask you in closing is what else are you working on project-wise and what are some of your visions for the future? Uh, thank you for that, man. I um, yeah. So, so we are just we're continuing to do our weekly classes in the places that we're going to. Um, you know, we want to expand a little bit uh, in terms of you know continuing to have some weekly classes in a couple of different uh, prisons. But also, um, I'm working on a training right now to, you know, I have a lot of people come to me that say, oh, I want to do work like this. And, and I'm really trying, one of my visions of starting One Love was to inspire other people to bring their talents um, to, uh, you know, to, to incarcerated people. So be that with art, be it with music, but I wanted to just like be, uh, be somebody who can help uh, facilitate that process for them. So I'm in the process of creating a training just based on my experiences and and, and um, the experiences of the incarcerated people, letting them uh, contribute to the training and, and just encouraging people to to bring their talents in, right? Um, just sort of flood the system with um, with love and care and see what we can do on that level. On another thing, I'm, I'm working on, um, you know, trying to continue to provide resources for people who are incarcerated. You know, there's a lot of organizations that are out there but people don't even know about it because they can't advertise right it's not in that, that traditional way so i'm trying to work on um adding that to our website and doing different things where providing you know like well-being you know there's a lot of organizations that provide courses and and books and resources and stuff so just trying to get people like linked up with that um 
And then, you know, the other thing is really trying to continue to build community. There's there's so many people doing such great work out there, but a lot of times we, 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 we're isolated in our little silos trying to do it. And that's what I love about what you're doing. Philip, it's incredible. Your vision, um, your vision to, to bring people together and to share what's going on. This is like, this is so important because we need everybody like together um, uh, to really make the changes that we want to see made. And so, you know, I think that's one of the things that I'm really trying to work on is just continuing to build community with other organizations. And, you know, it's just beginning, man. The sky's the limit, man. We want to we want to provide care. We want to help people support them while they're incarcerated. and We want to bring them home, you know. And so whatever the other aspects are to bring to bring people home, you know, I feel like we're going to get more and more connected on that level. Um, and. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, there's always going to be, you know, the, the work will always continue. And there'll always be new things happening. Well, I really thank you for what you said, you know, in terms of what I'm doing. You know, I'm just adding my little portion and I'm, I'm with you 100% on us connecting, us networking, us coming together as a community of people that have a vision uh, for what a healthy uh, 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 bringing someone through a system of incarceration and seeing them come out on the other side of it, whole and safe and sound, and um, now a better person uh, from a soul level. So I want to thank you for making that comment. And uh, I like, you know, what you have to say uh, in terms of us networking that way and coming together on a connection. Because we uh, each one got to reach one, man. And if not, teach one. You know what I mean? So, and with that being said, how can someone get a hold of you if they want to learn more about One Love Prison Meditation Project or work with you or even provide a donation? Thank you for asking that. You know, so I want to add one more piece about that last thing, because I think this is really important. You know, one of the things about this, you know, one of the things about capitalism, about this culture is it wants to keep us separated. It wants to keep people feeling like they're in competition, even organizations like such as myself, right? They want us to feel that we're in, we're in competition with other organizations and uh, and for funding and things like that, right? But we're not. We're all together, and we all need to come together um, for these movements. So I just want to make that known that like people might feel like we're in competition, but we're not in competition. We're it, it's going to be collective community that's going to save us all. So they can get a hold of me uh, and our organization at our website uh, onelovepmp.org or just type in one love prison meditation project we're on instagram is one love prison meditation and uh, i know <laughs> we got that time coming in too so um yeah they can you know i'd love to you know we definitely need support all this all the time people want to get involved in different ways um just reach out to us there and i would love to um you know i always love talking to people and seeing how we can support each other Thank you all for listening, subscribing, and sharing my podcast. Here are three ways to help me today. Consider donating, if you can, to my GoFundMe for my freedom efforts. You can find that by typing in Incarcerated Lives Matter, Philip Alvin Jones on GoFundMe. Subscribe today to my YouTube channel, The Wall Behind and Beyond. Comment and share. We are on our journey to a 1,000 subscribers. We can do this. Visit GrantParoleToPhilip.com. It's a one-stop shop that has my direct contact info and awesome social media sites. Please get in touch with us if you'd like to help in any way with Team Philip. Thank you, and keep listening to The Wall Behind and Beyond.
We yeah. don't like to talk, man. So any, <laughs> yeah, man. Anything, man, that you want to say before we go to the listeners to be to you know to close it on out, man, in style, man. I just want to tell everybody if you. I just want to tell everybody if you haven't, go to um, Grant Parole to Philip. Um, dot com and and make sure you sign that petition and and read your story. I mean, I'm sure listeners have, but I just want to make sure everybody goes and do, and does that. And then um, you know, and, and and get involved in some way if it's with our organization, it's with another organization. I just I really want to see everybody um do whatever they can. If it's just a little bit um, you know, that's fine. But it's important that we put our time and our bodies into um into freeing. Uh, into freeing ourselves and freeing others. That's what I'm talking about. My man, Tim Bryan from One Love Prison Meditation Project. Everybody, we got to support each other. We got to stick together, and that way we can get this work done sooner. Um, that was a powerful discussion. Uh, we need everybody to keep turning in. Um, to come, we have some more great shows for you guys. Uh, the next episode we got coming up is with Jonathan Jackson Jr., um, the son of slain uh, uh, revolutionary uh, freedom fighter Jonathan Jackson and his brother, the great uh, George Jackson, uh, who was in prison uh, in San Quentin and was slain by uh, those in authority. You know, that's that's the uh, 60s movement, Black Panther Party. We got that coming up. We're going to talk to this brother and see what he's doing after all of that. And then after that, we got uh, Awkward. You know what I'm saying? He's coming up. And then my man Brian Corn. So we got some good shows coming up, man. Stay tuned. Everybody keep plugging in because uh, I'm going to raise awareness and I'm going to keep talking about the issues uh, so that people that ain't aware can be aware. So take care, everybody. And, a, and another great show down. And my man Tim Bryan, take a look out there for him and support him and what he's doing. Stay up.